Hey, this is Jamie Andrews from True TV's World's Dumbest, and you're listening to the world's smartest podcast, The Shadows. Welcome to The Shadows Podcast. This week, our guest is Chancellor Jackson. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Trip Odenheimer, host of The Shadows Podcast. This interview took place on December 8th, 2022. And why is that date so important? Because several hours prior to hitting the record button with Chancellor, Brittany Griner was released from Russian detention. Now, what does that have to do with this episode? Chancellor's journey is unique because he spent 14 days in a Beijing prison. Now he's gone on to write about his experience. Chancellor talks about traveling the world as a kid. He then went on to play college football at Stetson. Upon graduation, Chancellor took a job teaching English in China. However, on April 4th, 2019, the Beijing police showed up at his apartment door and arrested him on drug charges. Over the next two episodes, Chancellor talks about these events and the aftermath. If you like what we're doing, please take a few minutes, head over, leave us a five-star review. This helps us get all these amazing messages out to more people. Now you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or theshadowspodcast.com. Now, without further ado, let's jump into episode 110, part one, with Chancellor Jackson. Book, 14 Days in Beijing. I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, but what what was your childhood like? Like, what was your upbringing to kind of set the stage for who you are for our audience? Um, yeah, I had a great childhood. Um, I was raised by my mother and um, grew up with a younger sibling, one of my younger siblings. Um, but it was just us three primarily in the household. And uh, we had a great childhood overall. We was um, honor roll kids, um, our natural born leader. So always was... Um, that voice of reason for a lot of my peers. Um, and we, it was, it was, it was a great childhood. We got to travel a lot, you know what I'm saying? See parts of the world that most people will never get to see, you know what I'm saying? We got to travel to London uh, twice. I got to go to the Bahamas a few times. So I got experience traveling outside of the world. Um, Family and, military or what was it? Oh, no, I just, we just, just we just natural travelers. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I like it. Not enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so just being exposed to just drastically different realms. So, you know what I'm saying? They're just different matrices at a very young age was pivotal. Um, and uh, definitely um, played a factor in me being who I am today. And then, of course, embarking on that journey to Beijing yeah. <laughs> just played a few years ago. Um, so childhood was great. We ended up playing football, started playing football around seventh, eighth grade, my brother and I. Um, so that just sharpened us and fine tuned us even more. And of course we wanted to play college football. So we really couldn't be knuckleheads if we yeah. wanted to do, you know what I'm saying? We had to make sure our grades was intact. You know what I mean? crossed because in high school, we went through one like we was the <laughs> the best, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was, the high school we graduated from hasn't had a winning record since 2008. So, you know, it went like a, a, a lot of colleges or scouts or anything like that was coming to our school to recruit. Um, and it wasn't like our coaches was pushing or marketing us to uh, other programs as well. So um, playing college football was something that we really, really wanted to do. 
Um, so that definitely helps us stay in line. Yeah. As far yeah. as, you know what I'm saying, through high school. And we all, we both played all four years. And then I got to go on to Stetson University to um, pursue my college career. And I obtained my bachelor's degree in communication and media studies while nice. I was there. Did you say Stetson? Uh, yeah, down in Florida. Yeah, the, what are they? The, um, they got the green hat, right? Yeah, yeah Hatters. <laughs> Hatters. I was going to say Hatters, but I didn't want to be wrong. Yeah, um, Hatters. Hatter, yeah. <laughs> and Hatters. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So after I graduated from uh, from Stetson, I landed my first job teaching English to children in China. And uh, yeah, how did that come about? Like, so did you always want to teach, or what was like your aspirations growing up? So yeah, well, my degree. Honestly, I brought. I went to college to play football. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I went on an academic visit to Stetson, they was asking me like, "What do you want to major in?" I said, "What are you talking about?" Football. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, what do you want to study? I'm like, oh. I forgot that whole aspect of college. I'm just here to play football. Um, communication, I go with that. You know what I'm saying? I just chose it. You know, I really, I had no, I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, communication did turn around and be beneficial for me. Right. Um, but when it came to a career, man, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Honestly, all I knew was football. And once football came to an end, it, I had to re-identify myself and learn myself all over again. Um, yeah. Well, I was just applying for jobs, really. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't have any experience whatsoever aside from playing football, but that ain't going to really do nothing. You know what I'm saying? As far as, I mean, some places, companies like hiring athletes, so that might get my foot in, it'll get me my foot in the door, but will it land me in the position? Absolutely not. Um, and that's what I kept getting hit with. Like, okay, we like you as a candidate, da, 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 but it's just experience, man. We're going to go with somebody else that got a little bit more, more experience than you do. So I did this whole process of interviewing, applying to interviewing for about eight months. Graduated. I'm back home. Like, bro, I didn't do everything, quote, unquote, the textbook way, and I still got the short end of the stick. Like, yeah, what's going on, man? Something got to shake. Um, but I was like, maybe – um, you need to re-approach your job searching because you've been applying for straight corporate positions, sales, marketing, management, that whole nine. So clearly the universe will let you know that field ain't for you. You mm-hmm. might need to pursue something else. So um, I switched my job searching up and I was like, okay, what you good at, Chance? You good at talking to people, working with people? So uh, that sounded like social work to me. So I just typed in social work on the search engine and just hit enter. Um, and going through the filters, I noticed a tab that I ain't never noticed before, and it said international. I was like, dang, why haven't I thought to look outside the globe for opportunities? I mean, outside the U.S. for opportunities. Yeah. So that's when I came across, oh, teach English children in China. I'm like, okay, this sounds lit. And I've always been interested in China. In the introduction of my book, um, I flash back to a table conversation I'm having with my family at one Saturday morning at breakfast, and I'm like seven six seven eight years old my mom asked my brother now she said what's three places in the world y'all want to go and i'll make sure that we go i instantly and eagerly said china she like well, why china <laughs> he was in all places why china only logical reason i had at that young age was that's where everything is made yeah look at the back of any product where it say made in china i won't go yeah. to the land where everything is made i want to see what it's like over there um now little did i know that simple table conversation would not only uh be a, a piece of manifestation, but a catalyst of change of what China would eventually do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For me. Um, so once 
applied to the position overseas, did the interview, um, heard back from the folks a few days later, and it was like, yeah, we want to move forward with you as a candidate. First job to tell me yes after, you know what I'm saying, trial and error. Month after month, I'm like, oh, yeah, ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is where I'm supposed to go. You're like, you let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I ain't got nothing to lose. So, hey, um, it was about a three-month-long process just to get the visa to go over there. So, mm-hmm. in the meantime, between time, I was like, well, since I'm going to be around working with kids, let me go ahead and get used to being around them. So, I found two jobs at two different elementary schools in my county. So, lunchroom monitor at one and uh, after-school program counselor at the other. Um, oh, so and you're I, that guy that was like clapping in the cafeteria to get yeah. them to be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> the air and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off the lights. Yeah, how's that? Yeah, that's, a, the that's a villain in, in elementary yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. So, but me playing football, I can handle the noise. The noise didn't bother me at all. Now it'd be the other, t- the older teachers. They'd be like, "Oh my goodness, it's so loud. I don't see how you do it." I'm like, "Man, kids is kids." Yeah, raise my voice trying to get these kids to pipe down. Let them, it's lunch. Let them, let them have fun. Yeah, you know what I'm they've been quiet all day. Yeah, let them parlay. Um, but yeah, so that was smooth, and I started to learn a little bit of language. Took it upon myself. I was learning through an app called Mango, um, and I had to start getting uh, get my TEFL, so teaching English as a foreign language certification. Um, so did all that within the three month process of getting the visa. Once I got the visa, I entered China on October 10th, 2018. And for the first two weeks, they put us up in hotel um, to uh, do our training. And we had to find a, a place to live by the time those two weeks were up. So we going through, we training for the job and trying to <laughs> house hunt in Beijing, which was, man, that was uh, interesting. It was very, very interesting trying oh, to find a place to live on the other side of the world. But fortunately, they had real estate agents partnered with the company to help us out. But even then, we still had to go see all these different places and just being fresh in Beijing and trying to navigate. It's, you know what I'm saying? We still trying to learn the, the metro system oh, and all that. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. For on sure. a scale of one to 10, where, where was your Chinese from the app, based off the app? Man, I say about mm, a three. <laughs> about, that's, about about kind of, that's about how I was for six years in Germany. Yeah. yeah I stayed at a three. And for real, but I was, that three, I was solid with that three. I could move yeah. and groove, you know what I'm saying, with that three. Everybody else I was uh, with, they ain't no, you know what I'm saying? Some folks was fluent, you know what I'm saying, or at least knew, they yeah. knew the like heavy. Some vast majority, man, I ain't no lick of it. They ain't yeah. bothered to try to learn it, nothing. Um, I ain't want to be looking like a deer in headlights <laughs> when I went out there. So I'm like, I'm going to learn something. Did any of the traveling beforehand from to other countries and stuff, did that, how did that prepare you for this move? Um, just being in a completely different world, essentially. Um, Culturally aware. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I was exposed to that. I was, we was in London like fourth grade. And the last time I went to the Bahamas was my senior year of high school. Um, London so, so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, now that I'm an adult, I can do it. You know what I'm saying? I can really get to explore and mm-hmm. see what the city has to offer. Because when we went to London, we're doing everything our parents is doing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> chaperone. So now, yeah, I'm an adult. I can do what I want to. And, oh, yeah. We finna, we finna be lit. Um, so we found an apartment on the east side. Um East side of Beijing and Qingnan Lu, the business district. And my job, my school is literally across the street from my apartment complex. So all I had to do is 
man, it was sweet. <laughs> it was sweet. Um, but yeah, once we uh it took me about a month and a half to get adjusted far as you know what I'm saying, get settled into the apartment and getting money, uh, you know what I'm saying, the money back rolling in. But once everything got squared away, China was lit. And you were on what a one year contract? Yeah. <laughs> Best experience I've ever had. I always encourage people to travel abroad for sure. But if you can live abroad someplace else, yeah. man, I highly recommend. So we we lived in um we we're stationed in Germany from 2013 to 2019. And yeah. I didn't want to live on base. I told my wife, I was like, we, we gotta live off base. Experience like I need to walk to a bakery and to oh, a bank yeah. and you know, get experience the whole thing. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it was just, and then traveling everywhere. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. That's the luxury about uh, Europe, man. Europe, you can. Everything, everything. We were, I think we were 40 minutes from Luxembourg and then, I mean, an hour away from the airport and we could fly to, they got those Ryanair flights where you can go to London for 10 bucks and it was crazy. (laughs) My my daughter's 14 and she's seen 27 countries. But I mean, she's so culturally aware now, and you you really yeah. see too how Americans we feel entitled. Yeah, like a mug. <laughs> yeah, because the we world are... somewhere we're on we're on foreign soil, and we're like, how do you not speak English? It's crazy, you know I mean? but it's because yeah. we're just so used to everybody from around the world moving here to America. We're yeah. so used. We've ex- we're exposed to just as many cultures and differences and religions, all ethnicities, the whole nine. Yeah. But, it's in America. These people are adapting to us and, and the culture that's been established here. It isn't like is we got to go and folks are not used to being a foreigner. Yeah, you used to encounter foreigners, but you always used to be in the domesticated one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so is that definitely plays? <laughs> it's it makes you think. It's just it, it makes you small minded in yeah, essence. Really does. I'm, so I, I teach right now in the Air Force. So I'm curious talking to someone else who's taught what was your biggest obstacle uh teaching day in and day out over there um i say the classroom management really? <laughs> yeah because i played football man so i want just uh, the year before i was the student you know what i mean i ain't really i just gotta show up man i really got i might have to participate just a little bit just so i get my little points yeah. and i just know about me you know, so i know how to work my one just so I can get by, and I'm still gonna make at least a B. You know what I'm saying? So the fact I ain't had to really do too much, besides from just showing up and doing the work. Now I gotta really facilitate the classroom and develop everybody and cater to. Oh man, yeah, and then behave everyone. Man, and behavior too, managing behavior. I'm chill, laid back, man. I, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Growing up in school, we had I had a lot of peers. I could be cool with the bad kids. You know what I'm saying? I could be the best friends with the baddest students. But I'm still going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get my good grades. My behavior is going to be A1. But I can still coexist with the troublemakers. You know what I'm saying? I just ain't going to let them influence me, for yeah. sure. So was now that that, students? Oh, uh, no, no. I was um, teaching uh, all, all Chinese kids. So all what's Chinese. the biggest difference with a, a, a typical Chinese class versus an American class? Kids is kids. <laughs> kids are kids. No matter what phase of the earth. I'm like, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to be teaching uh, Chinese kids. Oh, they're going to be the most obedient, disciplined, structured, yeah. organized. I'm like, oh, yeah, I ain't going to. It's going to be a breeze. Boy, How old? I was teaching kids as young as three years old, all the way up to 14, but was mainly working with the elementary school age range. Okay. Uh, 
So I really ain't even get all the way up to like fifth grade for real, four or fourth. I was man, I ain't really go no past third for real. For real. I mainly work with that pre K third grade level for the most part. That's interesting. And I, okay. I, I, classes and lessons are nothing but games, just because they kids. We got to keep them engaged. So with my athletic background, yeah, I'm gonna spread these flashcards around this classroom. We are gonna run, we are gonna sprint, we are gonna jump. I'm gonna see who's at, who's who got some agility. I'm, I'm gonna see we're athletic as well as smart at the same time. We are gonna make it a competition. Cause you turn anything into a competition. Oh yeah, it's oh it's lit. Then you know what I'm saying. Boys versus girls. Or let it, two captains. Oh yeah, y'all pick your own team. You know what I'm saying. Let them have at it. You know what I'm saying. You're gonna get the most out of them from doing that. Um, so we was lit in class. You know what I'm saying. Every, we was always lit. Um, I was 22, 23 at the age. So energy unmatched. You know what I'm saying. I can match their energy just like you know what I'm saying. Like no other. So, yeah, I enjoy teaching. And um, then, of course, the food, authentic Chinese food, is nothing like American-style Chinese food. You probably two, only eat American Chinese Two completely food. different cuisines, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Entirely. Well, <laughs> your story took a little bit of a turn. You're, you're down there, you're enjoying teaching, enjoying the culture. With my best then, life. What happened next? And then April 4th, 2019, uh, Thursday for me is a day off, one of my days off. So pretty much my weekend, my weekend was Wednesdays and Thursdays instead of the traditional weekend. Um, so it was Thursday. Um, I'm getting ready to head to an event um, that my company is hosting. So they do team builder events every month. You know what I'm saying? They have a variety of different ones you can choose from. So. I got into one of the ones that, you know what I'm saying, ain't really had nobody in, and it was a fan painting event. So you get to customize your own Chinese fan. So before I slide to the event, I'm like, all right, I'm a pregame. So I'm in the apartment, and I get done, getting dressed, whoop, whoop, finalizing, make sure I got everything before I walk out the door. I hear a knock. Guests aren't up the mirrors. Curious to see who it is. Look through the peephole, and there stood three officers from the Beijing police. What in the world? Heart sunk to my stomach instantly, because um, of course that was the last, was the last people I was expecting to be at the door. Um, but is this their first time showing up to the apartment randomly? No, it isn't. Um, so just really curious about what it is that they here for. But um, let me, I'm like, let me go ahead, put scramble, put everything up. So I put everything up, open the door. They enter. The officer in the front is communicating to me. Language barrier, of course. So I don't know what he's talking about. My face is letting him know that, bro. <laughs> you pretty much talking on deaf ears right now. Um, so he pulls out his phone and he speaks into the translator app. Shows me the phone and I'm reading it. Are you on drugs? Nah, bro, you tripping. What you talking about? Drugs? Nah, but you got me confused with somebody else. Nah, passport? You might need to see my passport. He's speaking to the translator app again. Show me the phone. Are there any drugs in the house? Family, where are you getting this information from? First of all, how you doing? Hey, you good? <laughs> let's, let's start there. Passport, let me go. I'm going to go grab my passport. You, you know what I'm saying? Clearly, you got me confused with somebody else. I'm just trying to finesse the situation. Right. So um, go grab all my documentation, bring it to him to look over. Um, the other two officers are just scoping the apartment out gently. They ain't looking into anything too serious, just scoping it out. A um, few minutes pass, another officer enters the apartment, and he was he has something in his hand. I can't really now you got tell. Four in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really tell what it is he has, and I really ain't thinking too much on it. But he he hands that item to the officer that I was originally speaking to, 
And that officer communicates to me that I need to pee into the cup. So it was a drug test right there on the spot. And right then and there, I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> it's over with. <laughs> so do the drug test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they'll drug test you anywhere. And really? So it's not like you need a warrant or anything like oh, that? Oh, no. They drug test you. Boy, let you be out and about in the club. They'll raid, they'll raid a club and drug test every foreign really? in there. Yeah. Wow. Why do, why do you think they were banging on your door? Were, did someone tip them off? Were you being profiled? Yeah, what do you think to this day, I get asked that so much. I'm like, bro, I don't know what position <laughs> to come to the mm-hmm. apartment, bro. And like I said, it wasn't their first time pulling up to the apartment either. The previous two times, um, one was to check our uh, visas and stuff to make sure we said just we weren't over there legally. The second time, um, I had an altar set up on my balcony. My altar that I pray to my ancestors. I had to set up on my balcony, and on my altar I have candles. So mm-hmm. you see the candles from you know what I'm saying my the window uh, from outside the uh, apartment building. So I guess they you know what I'm saying security saw it and they came knocking on the door tell, telling me that I needed to pull out put out the candles. So the, for them to be at the apartment for the third time, I'm like, ain't no. I'm like, I don't know what they doing here. You know what I'm saying? I don't, really don't know. You know, I'm, y'all was there that was over there. Uh, it was just I just had one roommate, one roommate, okay. and he wasn't. He was uh, he was at work <laughs> when all this was happening. Um, so so they, they had you do your analysis test, and then yeah. I'm assuming they had to take that test. somewhere offsite. Oh no no no! Them them results came. I peed in that cup, gave it to them. They set that cup on the table. Them results came back just like that. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all huddled up around the uh, the, the cup, just looking at it. And as soon as the results came in, they just started looking at each other, smiling. I was like, oh, yeah, it's over. <laughs> it's over. What was going so, through your mind then? Um, man, just trying to, I'm just hanging on to the hope they don't come across the rest of my stash. That's it. You know what I'm saying? I just got to, once I'm like, the drug test, it is what it is. I'm going to have to finesse this the best that I can. Um, but as long as they don't come across the rest of my stash, then we good. Um, so by this time, it's about eight officers in the apartment. One speaks uh, English fluently. He's questioning me about failing the drug test, who I get the weed from, when's the last time I smoked, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to see if he can get any extra information out of me. Um, and mind you, I'm still high. Like, I'm still high out of my mind. I'm still geeked up. The moment is big. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's serious. It's the fog of war. You know what I'm saying? I'm pissing down my leg, panicking, but still trying to keep my composure. Um, so... Every question he posed to me, uh, first thing that came to my mind, I'm just blurting out. You know what I'm saying? I ain't really thinking about what I'm finna say or what I'm gonna say. I'm just responding. And we just going back and forth. And it was getting to the point where I was catching myself lie. So I knew he was catching, if I'm catching myself lie, I know for a fact he catching my lies. Yeah. But hey, I'm from, the, I'm from Atlanta, the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So we just going back and forth. Um, and then once he realized that I wasn't going to give him anything he worked with, he just made it clear that, hey, man, you caught red-handed. You know what I'm saying? We know that you got more. You know what I'm saying? The charade is up. Um, and at that moment, it's like a chills just – my body was just suddenly drenched in the coldest of water. <laughs> You're like, you damn. country. Yeah, I just died by the finesse. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It is what it is. I lived to finesse another day. Now I got to hold myself accountable. So – I fess up to it. I'm like, yeah, all right. It's, you know what I'm saying, for sure. It is what it is. Yeah. They want me to show them my stash. So I get up to show them where I put my stash. But once I get there, lo and behold, everything is on display. They've been found. 
they was just trying to see if they was gonna get any extra information out of me. Um, so they confiscate everything, throw the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, um, set me down in the police van, and now I'm just curious. Of course, what's how this whole thing finna play out? I'm in disbelief that this is even actually happening, and I'm in the foreign, and I'm in China too. <laughs> I'm like, boy, this is crazy. Nobody knows this is happening to me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to learn as as I go. You know what I'm saying? So we get to 1%. We're there briefly. You know what I'm saying? For like 30 minutes. And then we get up and we get back in the van. Mind you, nothing has been explained to me. At this point, nothing. All the communication that was going on before questioned me about the drugs. And once they found that, I was, once I was caught right-handed, oh, man, all forms of communication was gone. Then nothing. I don't know what's going on. You're basically I'm like, we just place to place. We just sitting in this. I'm like the first precinct. It's like the typical scene you see on TV shows and movies when they bring in new arrests and you got the officers on desk duty. Think of that scene, but the Chinese version. Number Chinese, and I'm the only foreigner in there. <laughs> so of course, all eyes on me. So I'm just sitting there, highs Ryan, looking at these officers on desk duty, just reflecting and replaying everything that just happened. And I remember telling myself to take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. Yeah, something you said too is that accountability piece. How big do you think that was? Like, because I, I I say that to working with high schoolers, working with military members, there's a big difference with uh, taking ownership and not. And how yeah. how big was that? The fact that you were like, hey, I own up to it. I, I made a mistake. Yeah, I mean, accountability was emphasized. Like it was really, it was like almost religious. At Stetson, you know what I'm saying? My head coach at the time, Roger Hughes, he was a big fan of the military. Yeah. Big fan of the military. So we read a lot of military books. Um, and always, anytime we had team meetings, we always, he would always relate things back to the military and being accountable. And one of the books we read was Ownership, Extreme Ownership, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, in fall camp. So that was just something I knew. I'm like, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, the fact that the shit didn't hit the fan, hey, pal, you ain't got nobody to be upset with but yourself. And then I, you really honestly wasn't doing nothing wrong. You just shouldn't have just you shouldn't have been doing it here. So, hey, man, the fact that you know what I'm saying, we got to we got to take this to the chin. You know what I'm saying? We got we got to own up to this. And um, um, definitely, I feel like it played in my factor tremendously, even though I, I don't get explained any information, the entire, I'm here to tell y'all I did 14 days. The whole time, bro, you don't know how, as you read the book, you don't know how long you're going to be there. You know what I'm saying? You just hope waking up to hear some new information and going to bed disappointed. Until one day, they just finally call your name. Yeah. Finally call your name. Come on. You know what I'm saying? I'm curious, the time we're recording this, it, it, it's kind of ironic because uh, in the world right now, the big news is Brittany Griner got released yep. today. So for you, being what you've been through, what sort of emotions go through your body or your mind when you started following all that with her and then you kind of hear that today she got released? I mean, I was, it was just crazy because uh, I was seeing like that she had got arrested and detained in like February. I thought it was like May or something, April or May. So I'm like, damn, she's been locked up since February. It's been a while. I'm like, that's pretty much all of 2022. She's been locked up, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But yet... We've heard all of the story. We heard the story and, you know what I'm saying, what happened from the news outlets and everybody else's mouth except hers. We don't know what that story is like from her lens and how it happened. How, how What was her perspective of the whole 
situation from start to finish. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I was thinking about. I was like, bro, I would love to hear her story from oh, her land. She'll have a book. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, emailed, I emailed her. As soon as I saw she got released, I went to her wife's uh, Instagram, went to some, clicked the link in the bio. Man, it had, you could email them, send uh, letters and stuff to the uh, P.O. box. So I emailed her. I'm going to send a copy of 14 Days to the P.O. box. All that. Like, I would really love to help her be a part of the process of writing, helping her write her story. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm yeah. like, that's going to be a great, that's going to, that's going to be a great one. I already know it's going to be a great read. It's going to be a page turner for sure. Um, I thought about it whenever I, I saw that today. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> aligning with, with talking to you. You get, you get in there and your, your first day, like that, that first night, mm-hmm. you get in that shut eye that first night. What's going through your mind? <laughs> Man, I ain't getting to my got any. Yeah, I ain't getting to the cell till about like four o'clock in the morning. Mm. And then every day we wake up at 6 30. So I really got in there <laughs> resting my eyes <laughs> for a few minutes and I had to get right back on up. And I would have to be up the entire day until it was we got nap, we get uh nap time in, in at 12 o'clock every day. So that was you know, yeah, I was I only got to rest my eyes for a little bit. But um once I actually got into the cell, man, psych thrown at just how the cell is set up. So it's pretty much a big rectangle. Um, I say, man, about 15 yards long, about 10 yards wide. Yeah, 15 yards long, 10 yards wide, for sure. You know what I'm saying? That's how big wow. the cell is. Um, 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds, three soups a day. And all I had for those 14 days was one Tupperware bowl and one plastic spoon. Literally, that's all bad. How that's many spoke days. English? Oh, the first three days, I was the only foreign, only English speaker in myself. So it was no co- first three days of the book, no communication <laughs> whatsoever. Just a lot of reflecting, <laughs> a lot of reflecting. Even chapter three is titled "War of My Reflections" because yeah. I ain't got nobody to talk to or communicate with but myself. But Any it's side just, eyes or anything like that from people in there. Oh no, love it. These folks really. By the time the next morning. When six thirty came, oh, and everybody see, oh, we got a foreigner here. They're just curious now. I mean, they're just excited now. Yeah, you really want? They got all these different questions. They trying to talk to me. I really want to talk to them too. But hey, we can't. You know what I'm saying? The language barrier is just is too difficult. And I'm honestly not in no headspace to talk right now. Anyway, yeah. but y'all, I can tell y'all genuine and y'all just curious if anything. Y'all, y'all just want to. This is probably our first, a lot of y'all's first time having a person of color this up and close. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. You, you, you know, they just want to know do all the stereotypes I learned about y'all align? <laughs> really, that's the only type of time it be. Because um, they really don't know. They ain't yeah. like it's a bunch. They, they grow up with black people in their neighborhoods. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not the case. All right, we're going to hit the pause button on part one of episode 110 with Chancellor Jackson. Make sure you subscribe to the Shadows Podcast so that you don't miss part two. Stay tuned for the second half of this interview this Thursday. Also, stay tuned for the entire episode on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't already done so, head over to at the Shadows Podcast over on YouTube and subscribe, like, and comment. See you next Thursday for part two with Chancellor Jackson. You know, most people go through life aiming at nothing and hit it with amazing accuracy. And they find themselves just feeling stuck in a rut, wondering if this is all there is. 
And I'm here to tell you, no, it is not. And life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. So check out beyondtherut.com and listen to episodes of other people who are also feeling stuck in a rut, asking themselves the same questions you are around their faith, their family, their fitness, their finances, and just their outlook on future possibility. And there, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired to make your own path and live life beyond the rut. So again, go check out beyondtherut.com where you can find blog posts and podcast episodes as well as some tools to help you design the targets you wish to hit in life in those five F's, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. Because again, life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. Now go check it out. Beyond the rut. (laughs) (laughs) That is done. It's yours.